All right, let's get right back into it here. Peggy Nash, John Turley, Ernie Eves, and the idea that Toronto police officers would be restricted from imbibing in legal pot uh, for 28 days, Peggy. 28 days. Uh, they say that it stays in the system for 30, and therefore they want to make this a prohibition for anybody that would be uh, called to active duty. Does this make sense to you? Is this even uh, reasonable, practical? Is there some maybe a legal implication involved here? How do you see this? Um, it it seems like an awfully long time, but it's it, I just hearing from you now that it's thirty days that uh, so it's they say your bloodstream. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that the uh, police association is going to uh, challenge get, it. Get into well, I don't know if they're going to challenge it, but I think they're going to investigate this because there have been other cases. Uh, in federal transportation, for example, where it was challenged at the Human Rights Commission around blood testing, that kind of thing. Right. Because your point is, how how are you going to determine that? Is it scout's honor, or are you taking blood tests, urine tests? What exactly is well, it this that is, you're going to be testing? This is why I raise the specter that maybe, maybe, I'm just blue-skying here or thinking out loud that if uh, a police officer is implicated in something like an SIU investigation and they find that within the 28-day window there is THC in their system, does that disqualify them from uh, being a legitimate, say, uh, party to the investigation? You know, it it may have legal implications, John. Uh, but, you know, frankly, I, I think this whole situation tells me that the Toronto police haven't thought this through. They should have just banned it. And just said, police officers are not allowed to smoke weed. Because how could you possibly smoke weed if you have a 28-day uh, window where you, 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 you can't? It's not possible. So why not just ban it? And, and the kind of mental gymnastics they have to go through to try and enforce this and, and police, it, it, it makes no sense. And that's what we're talking about right now. How do you make sense of this? Just ban it. All right. You know, the rollout itself next week, it seems like uh, not everything is all in place in tickety-boo. Ernie, what do you foresee? Is it going <laughs> to that, be? That's a gigantic understatement. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is exactly why I think police forces, municipalities, provinces have asked the federal government for another year to implement this because you are going to have such a mishmash of policies across the country from province to province, from city to city, from police force to police force. These people can do that. Those people can't do that. I mean... We still don't know what's going to happen if you try to cross the U.S. border. (laughs) It's just going to be a mess. Well, we, and and I, I don't think we're ready for it. There is no way to, that I know of, to categorically test impairment by drugs that's similar to a, to, to a breathalyzer for alcohol. Right. There are different machines out there, I gather, that um, test different things. Some test this, but not that. So how are you going to enforce this? By just going back to the old impaired driving thing to see if you can walk a straight line or whatever? I mean, you know, aren't we going backwards about 30 or 40 years instead of going ahead? I mean, I really think we need the time to do this properly. And I think there's a lot of political expedience here by the federal government. They want this issue out of the way. There's going to be a federal election in a year's time. And the ironic part of that is this may come back to bite them. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the election a year out, and uh, what might come back to bite them is this carbon tax thing. Now, yesterday, Doug Ford, the premier, was on this program, and uh, he said that the abundance of provincial leaders opposing the carbon tax should send a strong message to Justin Trudeau. There's absolutely nothing for the environment. It's just another tax grab. 
uh, out of the, the taxpayer's pocket. And, and people are, are finally uh, realizing that uh, this is just a scam. It's a, it's a big scam to, to gouge the taxpayers and businesses and families uh, from every penny they, they can make. So carbon taxes are a scam. He was out west uh, on the weekend talking to Scott Moe in Saskatchewan, who is also, again, Trudeau's carbon tax. Jason Kenney looks like he's the odds-on favorite to win the next election in Alberta in May. He's again it. Rachel Notley has even talked it down because she didn't get the pipeline through. Then you got Wade McLaughlin, a liberal out in PEI. Uh, who's left? Pallister in Manitoba. It looks like, you know, the ducks are lining up here again, Justin Trudeau. So I'm asking, is this a political winner? The carbon tax that, you know, he's saying we're going to, you know, do everything to live up to the Paris Accord in 2015? Or is it a liability, John turley York? I would say it's a huge liability, and, and I'll, I'll say why. I think the Liberals have lost the opportunity to, to make, uh, you know, climate change and a carbon tax sellable to the public. Look at Ontario as a, a huge example. Hydro rates through the roof. People choosing between heating their home and buying food. Uh, you know, silly windmills, uh, you know, lining our, our, our waterfronts, uh, our shorelines in Ontario. And, and, and frankly, you have people saying, we only contribute, you know, 2% to the entire world's carbon emissions. You have China, India, and the U.S. doing nothing. All this is is virtue signaling. And so the question is, for your virtue signaling, what do I have to pay? I have to pay more for gas. My business is less competitive. What do I get out of it? And you know who pays the most? I'll say this to Peggy. It's working people who pay the most. You think about those are the ones who are driving older older vehicles that use more gas. Often they live in rural communities. They have to have, you know, they, they, they drive trucks. Um, they, you know, work in, 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 out in places like Fort McMurray and places like that. These are the people who are paying the price for the virtue signaling that Trudeau wants to do. I think it's a huge winning issue for the Conservatives. I think Trudeau's got a, a major problem trying to sell this now, and he's going to have five, six uh, provinces and premiers arguing against him. And let's not forget about Quebec. Quebec's there sitting there going, hey, we want to have a more prosperous economy, a better country, and we're not talking about referendums anymore. We're talking about how to become an economic powerhouse. So there's been a seismic shift in terms of support, at least uh, numerically, from the provincial leaders here. Peggy Nash, is it going to be a tough sell in 2019? Could this be, uh, he'll be hoist on his own petard? Well, I, I don't think Quebec is moving away from the carbon tax. I think they're going to stay with that. Um, it's the environment's a huge issue in Quebec as it is in British Columbia, um, but in other provinces, clearly, um, political leaders, conservative political leaders, for the most part, are raising this and uh, fighting they ran against on it. it. Doug ran, ran on, on it. it, got elected on it. So, what does it tell you? Where's the popular sentiment? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I, I guess we'll see. Uh, Doug Ford didn't didn't win in the the city of Toronto in the, that area, and mm. I think that's probably where there is support uh, in urban centers. But you know, John makes a good point that it's people who live in places where they have to drive everywhere. Gas is a huge issue. You can put money into transit, but there's no transit for them. Well, and then the UN comes out with this report today, I guess the International Panel on Climate Change, it's going to take $135 base uh, per ton. We're talking, uh, you know, 20 and $30 increments. I mean, this is... But the Liberals, the Liberals are going to, they're going to make that argument that this is an urgent life or death issue. I mean, we're just seeing today the flooding... The flooding in Florida, we've seen the whole eastern seaboard 
uh, get flooded, greater hurricanes. We've seen That's a result floods of climate change. Well, the increase, people will argue that the increase in those dramatic storm events is definitely due to climate change. Uh, because that's what insurance companies are saying, and they're they're having to foot the bill for this. I don't think it's going to fly because people say my urgent need is to be able to pay my hydro bill, and I can't do it. Uh, or you know, look at the price of gas; but that's it's getting what's too going to expensive. reduce your hydro bill, and he's reducing the cost of your gas. That's what he ran on, so he's going to do that. Well, well, and he is. And guess what? <laughs> there might be other ways of actually reducing it further. In a moment, I'll broach that with you. Uh, I want to come back. There was a report in the Financial Post earlier today, and I'll cite that as we continue on with our roundtable discussion. Peggy Nash, John Turley-Ewart, and Ernie Eves, former Premier and Finance Minister here in the province of Ontario. On The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.